0: We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I need to take a, take a breath for that. that. That song had so many long, sustained notes. I about out of breath just from singing it. That last note was 16 beats long. I promised the choir I wouldn't let them fall over uh, while, we, while they were holding out that note. Uh, you know, thank you, choir, for that. It is a, a blessing that we get a chance to be together with God today, uh, to look at the love that God has for us. Hope we're going to be looking at very familiar passages today, but hopefully you'll see something new that maybe you haven't looked at lately. So, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you today for the love that you have poured into us. Lord, I like that analogy of the mega-stuffed Oreo that you have mega-stuffed us with your grace and your love. Lord, help us to know your love this morning. Help us to share your love with all those with whom we come in contact. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know how loved you are? My name is Hosanna Wong, I'm the author of You Are More Than You've Been Told, and I'm a spoken word artist, and for today's verse of the day, I wrote a spoken word piece called Greatly Love. i that you've been given but you can rest knowing that you, the greatly loved child of God you are I'm going to put the link to that video in the comments to today today's Facebook live so I'll encourage you to go back and watch it again uh, particularly with the audio issues that we had this morning uh, go back and watch that again uh, share it on your social media it is a powerful powerful message of how Deeply loved, we are. Now, and so I I basically titled the sermon of of this song after that piece because it just is so so powerful. Do you know how loved you are? Now we think of that question sometimes. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. And we think about love being something we can quantify that we can assign a value to. How much do I love you in terms of quantity? I love you this much. But I want us to to look at this in in a different light today as we're asking ourselves this question, do you know how loved you are? I want us to think about it not so much of how much you are loved in terms of your quantity, but how much you are loved in terms of in what way are you loved? In what ways does God love you? That's something I think we can chew on for a little bit this morning. What ways does God love you? So we're going to be looking at, uh, at several different passages this morning. This is a different kind of a sermon for me because usually I take one passage and, and plow through it, and this is more of a topical sermon, but I, I'm doing this intentionally because I want us to come to grips with the different ways that God loves us. This is not an exhaustive list by any means. God loves us in more ways than we could talk about in 20 years or 20 centuries, way more than what we could talk about in 20 minutes. But let's look at it this morning. Um, you're going to see the outline on the, on the, the slides uh, in just a second when it comes up, so you can see that God loves you with an inclusive love. He loves you with an expensive love. He loves you with an adopting love. And He loves you with a replic- replicating love. Let's look at each one of these individually. The first thing, God loves you with an inclusive love. A love that, that includes everyone. Well, let's look at the passage that from, for this section of the sermon. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. I'd like for you to, you don't need to read it out loud, but rather than just listening to me say, to, To me, read it. I'd like for you to read the words on the screen to yourself as I read them out loud. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This passage answers the question, who does God love? And the answer is a little surprising if you think about this the way the world thinks about it. People who don't know God would not necessarily answer this question the way that we who do know God would. Most people would think that God loves people because of how they act. Well, God loves me because I go to church. God loves me because I don't kick the dog or cuss at my neighbor. God loves me because I send a little money to the United Way every now and then. God loves me because I didn't chew out that person who cut me off on the highway. God loves me because of what I do. And even Christians sometimes fall for this kind of thinking, if only in their subconscious thoughts anyway. Well, God loves me more than others because I go to church. God loves me more than others because I read my Bible every day this week. I spent 20 minutes in prayer yesterday. Boy, God is really happy with me. God loves me because I did that. Or going beyond that and thinking, you know, I deserve better treatment from God because I did this. Or because I did that. I've had friends who had been Christians for years who who I've heard say, you know, I've done this and this and this and this and this and this for God. Why did God let this happen to me? I didn't deserve for God to let this happen because I've done all of these things for Him. Who does God love? God loves everyone. And God loves everyone the same. Look at that scripture. While we were still weak, God loves us. While we were weak to the point where we couldn't save ourselves, when we were weak to the point where we could not help ourselves, when we were weak to the point where we could not do anything, God loved us. Us who were weak. And all those out there who are weak. Christ died for the ungodly, those who not just were, not, were so weak that they couldn't do anything for themselves. Christ died for the ungodly, the people who were opposed to God, the people for whom God never even entered their mind, those without God. God loves them. Christ died for them. The weak, the ungodly, down at the last part of that verse, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves everyone. If God loves those who are still weak, who is that excluding? No one. That includes everyone because all of us, even those of us who have been Christians for decades, we are still weak to the point where we cannot save ourselves. He had to do it for us. Un, the ungodly. Do you ever feel ungodly? Don't raise your hand. I don't, I don't need to know that's between you and God. But I suspect all of us have moments where if we don't intentionally say, boy, I'm ungodly today, we might feel it. We might have attitudes that are not godly attitudes. We might have thoughts that are not godly thoughts. We might have desires that are on a whole nother page from God's desires and yet God loves us. Those who are still sinners, God loves. None of us deserves God, God's love, but He freely gives it to everyone because God loves everyone the same. Friends, God does not love you more than He loves these people driving on, on church street right now instead of being in church. God does not love you more than the people who are, who are opposed to Him. He loves us all the same. Think of the worst person you've ever known. God loves that person as much as He loves you. Think about the best person you've ever known. God loves you as much as He loves that person. God loves all of us equally for while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love. He demonstrates his love. He put his love into action in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This passage tells us who God loves, and it tells us when does God love. God loves at the right time, God knew exactly what He was doing. Before He created us, I've said this a billion times if I've said it once. Well, maybe not a billion, I overstate. I'm ministerially estimating. But I've said this a lot of times that I know. That God loved us enough that He create before He even knew, or not before He knew, before He even created the first thing He knew that we would rebel against Him. He knew that if He created us, the only, that we would break this world and the only way to fix it would cost the death of His Son. And He did it anyway. That's how much He loves us. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still weak, Christ died. While we were still sinners, Christ died. God does not wait for us to get ourselves together before He loves us. He doesn't wait for us to straighten ourselves out before He accepts us. You know, if He waited for us to straighten ourselves out before He would accept us, He'd never accept anybody because we cannot straighten ourselves out enough to overcome all the wrong that we've done. He doesn't wait for us to make the first move you know, I know in a, when, when you're young, I, for me that goes back a long time ago, but there's always the question, if I want to date somebody, am I going to make the first move or am I, going to, am I going to wait till they show me that they're interested in me before I ask them out? How do I handle that? If God does not wait for us to make the first move. Rather, He made the first move to us. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said one time, if there's a journey of a hundred steps between you and God, he will take all of them except for the last one. You only have to take one. He'll take all the others. The parable of the prodigal son said that, you know, when the prodigal son had left home, he'd gone out, he'd squandered all of his inheritance, everything that his father had given him, had done for him. He'd turned his back on all of it. He'd spent it all, and then he came back because he realized that even the servants in his father's house were better off than he was. So he said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to apologize to dad and I'm going to try to see if he will at least let me be his servant. And so he started his way back home and the scripture says that as the prodigal son was returning, the father ran out to meet him. The father didn't wait for the son to get even all the way home. He ran out to meet him. And he didn't just restore him as a a servant. He made him a son again. That's what he has done for us. He doesn't wait for us to reach out to him. An old song, Forever Grateful, said he did not wait for me to reach out to him, but he clothed himself in frail humanity. He did not wait for me to cry out to him, but he let me hear his voice calling me. This is great news for us. No matter how rotten we are, No matter how badly we behave, no matter how much we've messed up our lives, He loves us. He loves us even before we love Him back. He doesn't wait for us to make the first move. He includes all of us in His love, and He's always calling, always reaching out to try to bring people back to Himself. God loves us with an inclusive love a love that includes everyone. But going beyond that, God loves us with an expensive love, a love that cost Him everything. I want us to, to look at this passage together, Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 9. For He grew up before Him like a young plant. This passage is talking about the suffering servant, which we interpret to be, to be Jesus. For he, meaning Jesus, grew up before God like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom, as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death though he although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth as we read through that passage do you get the idea of do you get the idea of how much jesus gave up in order to draw us to himself Think about what Jesus had in heaven. Think about what, what he experienced in heaven. You know, when, we, when the pictures that we see of heaven, just use, try to use human words and things that humans understand in order to, to help us understand something that's far beyond what we can comprehend. When it talks about streets of gold and gates that are made of a single pearl and all of these amazing things, Those are nothing compared to the glory of God, which Jesus knew before he came to earth. But yet when he he came to earth, he gave up all of that. Verse 2 tells us that, that he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. To use common language today, Jesus was not a hunk. He wasn't somebody who, had, who was good looking. People did not flock to him because, because of the way he looked. Because the scripture tells us he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. He had no beauty that we desired him or that we should desire him. Not only did he give up the power and the glory that he had in heaven, he wasn't even purdy. He was normal. He looked like us. You see what people thought about him. Verses 3 through 4 say he was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. People rejected him. He came to people that he had created, and those people did not recognize him. Did not accept him. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He was punished. He was cut off from the land of the living. He was stricken for the transgression of his people. He was buried, in, or he was crucified with, with, with the wicked. He was buried in a rich man's tomb, not his own although He had done nothing to deserve it. Why did He do all of this? Why was God willing to to bear such an expensive cost? Why was Jesus willing to come and to take our sin upon Himself? As we talked about last week, where, where we see that He became sin, not just took on sin, but actually became sin. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When I read this passage it always moves me to sadness and guilt because I caused this. But I'm sharing this passage with you today to show you what you are worth to him. You have great value to him. You are expensive in his eyes, but he was willing to pay the cost for you and for me. So we should feel not just sadness and guilt when we read this passage, but we should feel a profound sense of gratitude. Awe and even joy because he did this for us. God loves us with an inclusive love that includes everyone the same. God loves us with an expensive love, a love where he was willing to give everything in order to draw us to himself. The third point that I want us to make is that God loves us with an adopting love a love that chooses to bring everyone who will come into the family. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says this, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of the blood or of the will of the flesh, or, nor of the will of man, but of God. Some of you in this room and some of you who are watching online have adopted children, as we have so I'll ask you the question are adopted children loved less than natural born children absolutely not I cannot conceive of loving a biological child of mine of which there are none but I cannot conceive of loving a biological child any more than I love my daughter I, I, I can't even imagine that there could be more love for a child than I have for her. We chose her and brought her into our family, and she is one of us, just as she would be if she had been born to us biologically. God has adopted us into His family. He does not love us less than He loves Jesus. Think about that. God does not love you any less then he loves Jesus you have been adopted into his family god chooses to adopt us i love that in the middle of that verse it says he gave us the right to become children of god we belong to him we're not just people that that are kind of hanging on that don't really belong you know, I could walk up to some of y'all out of the serv- after the service and I could say, thank you for making me your child. I could, move into your, I could try to move into your house. Uh, I could ask you to support me. That kind of thing I'm seeing looks in my face. Oh, no, you couldn't. <laughs> we cannot choose to adopt ourselves into other people's families. We have to be brought in. We could not choose to enter God's family if He did not allow us in, but yet He has done that. He has given us the right to become His children because of His will. And so God calls us His children. He doesn't call us His stepchildren He doesn't even call us His adopted children anymore. He makes us just as if we had been born to Him. He makes us just as if we had never left Him. He makes us just as if we had never sinned. We are His children because He has adopted us into His family. First John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. We are His children. He has adopted us and made us just as if we had never left Him. The last point I want us to see this morning, God has loved us with an inclusive love, a love that includes everyone. He has loved us with an expensive love that cost us His Son. He has loved us with an adopting love. He has brought us into His family and made us just as if we had never left. And He loves us finally with a replicating love, a love that reproduces itself. 1 John chapter 15 Verses 12 through 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That you love one another in the same way that I have loved you. You have loved one another to the same degree that I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than that someone lay down his life for his friends. Friends, God has loved you with an inclusive love. And so He is calling you in this commandment that Jesus gave. He is calling you with, to love others with an inclusive love. Just as He has loved you with that. He's called you to replicate that love by, by extending that love to everyone. No matter who they are. No matter what they've done. Always willing to make the first move to show love to other people. That, that's the kind, of God, the kind of love that God wants to replicate into your heart so that you will love as He has loved you. God is calling you to love with an expensive love. Greater love has no one than this than He laid down His life for His friends. God wants you to, ex- to extend His love to others even when it costs you. Even when it costs me when we have to sacrifice ourselves, when we have to sacrifice our position, when we have to sacrifice our possessions, when we have to sacrifice our desires or our dreams for someone else. That you love one another as I have loved you. God has called you to love with an adopting love. A love that's willing to bring people into the family and once they come into the family to treat them just like they'd always been one of us. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So today, do you know how loved you are? You are loved so immensely You are loved with an inclusive love. You are loved with an expensive love. You are loved with an adopting love. You are loved with a replicating love. So, our calling, friends, is to go and to love others the way that God has loved us. What is God calling you to do today? I don't know. You do. What is God saying to you this morning? I can't say. All I can hear is what God is saying to me. What is God saying to you? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the love that you have given us. And Lord, we know that you have loved us because you desire a relationship with us and you want us to know your love ever increasing every day of our lives. You want us to grow closer to you every day. We know that. And Lord, we desire that. God, show us how we can love others with this same love that you've given to us. Lord, speak to us during this time. Help us, Lord, to listen to your voice. Help us, Lord, to respond to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the Sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound.